There is a fifth dimension. A dimension of sound. Damn it, Frank! We tell him to be quiet. I spill my hot cup of Uranus again. A dimension of sight. Hey, Arch. I'm gonna sock you in the puss. A dimension of mind. Nan Adams, is that you? Ah! Ah! Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fifth Dimension of Twilight Zone podcast. I am once again your host, and we're here to, of course, talk talk Ross Sterling's, uh, you know, vision for the future because everything's coming true. But his iconic TV series that is the Twilight Zone. As always, if you like our podcast, definitely check it out on my YouTube channel. We also have uh, it on Apple iTunes as well as Google Play, and uh, I don't know if they have approved it yet, but I think Amazon. <laughs> uh their service whatever that is they have a podcasting service as well so i uh, applied for that and i haven't heard anything back yet so hey we might hit on amazon at some point yay amazon uh but anyways uh anyways uh we're here to talk uh an interesting episode one that i know clearly and have seen a billion times before even though i forgot that this was the name of the episode but as we always do i gotta introduce my co-host uh first i'm gonna introduce this is the chick that won't quit drinking the hot cup of uranus uh of course it's trip from trivial theater sorry Trip, (laughs) that's the best thing i could come up with that was even remotely funny in like 10 minutes so I know the chick that won't quit is it's it's a little uh, <laughs> not great saying, but yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, so. you're not doing the hand movements though. What, what how the hand movements go? Like I can't do them. <laughs> you know full well I can't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, she definitely quit doing the hand movements. But um, <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, congratulations on your live stream. I definitely I watched uh, some portions of it, portions of it. It was it, well. It seemed like. Uh, the House on Haunted Hill is a quite a or is it House on Haunted Hill that you watched? House on Haunted Hill, yeah. Yeah. So I watched it while I was driving. <laughs> that's always a good I'm thing. I'm glad that track. you're here with us, Jake. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Congratulations on that. Once again, congratulations on the three year anniversary as you, you uh yeah. So I'm sure another year of uh this nonsense will uh make you even crazier than we all are now. So <laughs> um but that other person, the other person you heard already is the man who, after Yang, will go on one hell of a ride, and that is Jacob from Jacob Anders Reviews. What's up, Jacob? How you doing? I picked the, I picked the last two episodes. I say I picked the last two <laughs> movies that you uh, that you reviewed or last couple of reviews. So it's uh yeah, um, as of this recording. Yeah, it, uh, you wrote Hell Ride and After Yang. I figured, how can I turn those into like two uh, one sentence that makes sense? And I don't know if I can succeed. You did it. Yay! You did it. You did. You absolutely <laughs> succeeded. <laughs> but I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Awesome. Uh, but you know, as I always say at the end, uh, but clearly these these two are the screws of my heart. So you know how this works out. As long as we're not absolutely screwing your heart, then we're okay. That'd be uh interesting. Is that is that what is that what the uh, remake of Inner Space is about? Screwing your heart. I mean, possibly if you had that kind of <laughs> fetish, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Worst things that can but, be screwed. um but yeah it's been um like i said we uh did uh the big tall wish last week uh i think we were pretty you know meh on it but um i'm curious to see 
as we never talk about what we actually think about the episodes before we actually start talking about them on the podcast, I think this is an episode, I think, at least to me personally, that we're all, I think we may have all enjoyed, but like I said, I can't, I can't read minds, but um, the episode we're talking about today is season one, episode 28, which is called A Nice Place to Visit, uh, directed by John Brom, written by Charles Beaumont, production code 173-3632, which I think is four episodes from the completion of the season, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. But um, aired on April 15th, 1960 and stars Larry Blyden as uh, Harry Francis Rocky Valentine and Sebastian Cabot as Mr. Pip, which I want to be called Mr. Pip. I think that'd be a great name to have. But <laughs> How many episodes are in this season? Isn't it like 32? 36. 36. Yeah. 36. So we're not really that far from the end of the season then, I guess. Huh? No, we got, yeah, Nightmare as a Child, Stop at Willoughby, which is going to be an awesome episode to talk about. The Chaser, which I don't know how I feel about that episode. Passion for Trumpet, Mr. Beavis, The After Hours, Mighty Casey, and A World of His Own, which is Richard Matthews. Oh, I can't wait till Mr. Beavis. I can imagine what that episode is going to be filled with. Just me and Triv going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to be I'm actually going to be gone that week, so I'm just going to let you guys go and do your beavis and butthead thing. The whole Straight episode. hour and a half of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey beavis. <laughs> you said butt. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! Uh, Shit almighty. Well, hey. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's another episode in the series. That's the X-rated versions of uh, the Twilight Zone called the Actually, After this Dark. one, this episode was kind of called out um, for its brazen mm -hmm. sexual innuendos. Yes, it was. It was. In I There's a lot. Well. <laughs> it, should, it should have been called out for the amount of things that uh, Rocky came up before with uh, Pip's nicknames. He came up with like 16 different nicknames for this hey, episode. Fats. Santa Claus. That's a <laughs> string being <laughs> shit. So I always ask Triv, I knew you watched this episode last week. You said you went ahead a little bit. So had you seen this episode before at all? Oh, yeah. Remember? Well, well versed in this one. It's um okay. it's actually up there amongst like not top ten, but mm -hmm. I really enjoy just the the way it juxtaposes stuff and I, I enjoy it a lot. So Right. And I know, Jacob, you haven't seen these episodes in 20 years, but did you did you have an idea going in like what you're like kind of any idea about this movie episode at all? Or did you go like you always do and say, uh, nope, just kind of went to it blind? Um, well, at first, no, I didn't remember it. But mm -hmm. um, about halfway through, there's a part where they go to the hall of records, which isn't <laughs> much of a hall. But well, um, anyway, that part, I was like, I remember this and really and maybe it was because subconsciously i remembered it but i i kind of at least somewhat figured out what it was fairly early on what was going on yeah maybe not not 100 percent, but i knew the the key point the key thing that we find find out in the end i i kind of was like yeah that's what's going on here that's where he is mm. but we'll get there and I know, Trivia, I know you might agree with this. This is a better interpretation of the a specific character that we've talked about in a, an episode prior. I don't know if you agree or not. So, uh, You know, I, I think it's an interesting interpretation. I, I kind of like all of the, the different versions. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's certainly an interesting take. So Right. The character's always, you can always tell people have fun playing that character, which is that who 
he's playing or just kind of a not, minion or uh, he's more minion than he is at least that's what i took from it i don't think he was head yeah. man in charge he was definitely because he even says yeah he's i think he's he's a helper he's not the main mm. yeah that's what i thought that's true. but you know playing that's... playing someone within that wheelhouse uh is always probably i i, I gather that it's always fun for actors to do because you it's yeah. always fun to be the bad guy you know oh yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> No, nah, it's all right. It's all good. I'm sorry. Podcast over. <laughs> um, okay, so jump the, jump the shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the episode opens up. We're introduced to Rocky or Hans's friend, Hans's uh, Henry Francis Valentine. Hans, um, <laughs> get your ass over here, Hans's. He's basically robbing a jewelry store. He's stealing all kinds of jewels and uh, i don't know if he's not a very smart crook because apparently the police are on their way or somebody heard like the crash from the windows or something like that who knows but he uh well, there's a guy on the floor yeah, isn't there? Is there next to him yeah is he oh, dead well, he's just or a... knocked out or something there's a body I assume dead but maybe not <laughs> yeah he's just not a very smart individual as we can tell through this entire episode but this is an episode that um uh, be careful what you what you uh, wish for. Be careful what you uh, you know. Growing up in a world where everybody hates you, apparently. So, uh, but with that said, um, this is kind of the the opening narration for this episode is kind of you know caught between two different segments. But uh, I'll go ahead and yeah. let you uh, read it for portrait of a man at work. The only work he's ever done. The only work he knows. His name is Henry Francis Valentine, but he calls himself Rocky. Because that's Adrian. the way his life has been. <laughs> Rocky and perilous. And uphill at a dead run all the way. He's tried. He's tired now. Tired of running. Of wanting. Of waiting for the breaks that come to others, but never to him. Never to Rocky Valentine. A scared, angry little man. He thinks it's all over now. But he's wrong. For Rocky Valentine, it's just the beginning. You know... If a guy is tired of running or wanting, why do you think he would keep stealing jewels and apparently killing people and running Maybe. more because he straight yeah. ran right in the very beginning? <laughs> yeah, he runs and he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm getting away from you, Kappa, because he has he does the whole Chicago accent or New York accent or whatever it is. Yeah. And <sighs> yeah, screw, I'm running from the screws. Yep, lousy screw. I, I know it's a product of its time. But I love, love, love the gunshot. Like when people in these older shows and movies back in, in that time when they would get shot, they, you know, squibs weren't a thing. It would have just been too much for TV, I'm sure. Too hot for TV. How they like shoot them and they go like, uh, 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 and like, no, there's nothing. It's like, there's yeah, nothing especially for you, We're just going off of their body language and then they fall down. It's like, there's no hole. I wonder if back then people just thought bullet holes and like they didn't do anything and the first time a squib was shown on tv people were like oh my god that's <laughs> so graphic <laughs> i guarantee you think, they did do you think when the hard drugs in the 60s were were brought into the world do you think that's when like uh that's when they started using squibs because like literally like um it, it's funny because it, the whole idea of him being killed which we learned later on is the fact he got shot in the head but i'm like Man, he uh, yeah, <laughs> he's pretty intact for somebody who got shot in the head, you know. No, yeah. the Juno sensors wouldn't body. have allowed that at all, like in any way, shape, or form. Like even if you could show like 
a mark they would have they would have you know had massive issues they do show later in the episode was still in the beginning but after that part when he goes to where he's going there is a hole in his shirt in his in the Mm. middle of his chest i don't i don't i wasn't sure if that was supposed to be a bullet hole or if he just had some raggedy ass clothes on i'm not sure but there was a hole in his shirt so maybe that was them signifying that he got shot there i don't know that's possible i just i like how hypocritical the censors were they're like they're allowing suicide and violence and calling people screws and all this kind of shit but the idea of a squib or something i'm pretty sure they they could figure out a squib thing back in the 60s and stuff like that but do you guys ever think that's funny how hypocritical the censors really were because there there's some like there's stuff in this episode he like literally starts shooting at pip later on the episode and that's fine but as long as you don't show the hole or any type of hole you know of any sorts it's like Oh, okay. He can use any guns he wants, or guy being uh, the guy getting you know, hit, strangled by the the rope or something like that. I don't know. Well, it's kind of the same thing today. I mean, censors. Mm-hmm. We can show all the violence in the world on TV, but it's funny you said just don't show the hole. I mean, it's kind of the same <laughs> nowadays. Just, yeah. just don't show the hole. <laughs> I mean, you show anything like sexual, and we'll get into that, like sexual innuendos and a lot of so they were really really they didn't give a shit about the violence in this thing but the censors were all over some ridiculous stuff that they said was just too hot for tv on the sexual side which there was one thing i was like yeah that's the, that's that's innuendo as hell right there but um some of the other stuff that they were like picking at i was just like really but that's kind of i mean it's just a, a, a more heightened version of it today i mean you you've got things that you can show people being like mutilated and body parts ripped apart and just, just in the most graphic and gruesome ways. But as soon as you show like a, a dick or some ass on TV, it's like, Oh no, no too much. That's too much for the kids. <laughs> we, we can show <laughs> ridiculously violent acts, but don't show parts that they all have themselves. They see every day. Well, yeah. Even the use of like one, one fucking a PG 13 movie. I mean, that in itself makes you kind of go okay that's that's funny i did look it up the first squib was used the first documented squib um was used in a 1955 polish film of course eastern europeans dude (laughs) like push shit too far so they might they probably didn't i mean back then if you're talking black and white they would have used like chocolate syrup or something like that to start with i mean hell you watch stuff like uh la dolce vita and stuff like that like that's a pretty risky a risque uh movie but the french and italians were way ahead progressively than we apparently were they still are today yeah exactly well and they are they are but it's almost reversed like over there you go over to like france and they i mean across the world nowadays violence is a bit more you know it's people don't we're a little bit more desensitized to it but even over there in some of the european countries like they're much more open with sexuality and things of that nature which i'm not saying you should be showing your kids porn or anything but if it's a body part they see it they they see it every day i mean you see these things every day and they're gonna see them you're not necessarily gonna see somebody get their head chopped off but you are gonna see another person's body parts or your own body parts at some point in your life probably pretty early on depending on you know what body parts you have but like I said, violence, you're not necessarily, you don't have to see that. 
but we make that okay. But over there, you know, they'll show like all that stuff and they'll have like uh, more risque things. But when it comes to violence in some other countries, they are much harder on it than we are here in the U.S. You hear about games and movies and stuff being edited and like in Germany and Australia and stuff like that quite a bit because of the violence. But it'll show TNA left and right. which I think that that's that makes more sense. It's kind of like it attacks our sensibilities a little bit here in the U.S. a bit more. And we're kind of like. I don't, that, that doesn't make sense, but it, it really does if you think about it. I mean, what, what's more, what's more, what's more damaging to the youth, if you will, a naked person or a, a mutilated body? I know we're getting yeah. a tangent here. No, still. Still. but that, make a point though. But that's that's something that I'm sure Rod Sterling, Rod Sterling was uh, affected by a lot. Like he would be very cautious about what he had to do but also i'm i'm, I'm wouldn't i would imagine some of these episodes like later on he was fighting the censors with because i mean think about it this episode the guy is killed he's gone and he has like three ladies around him and that's all all that stuff is innuendo and the idea of the violence and the, the language for his time i mean it's i can imagine this is one of those types of episodes that maybe had to tone down some stuff that he wanted to say and mm-hmm. um but like for instance rocky is shot we know he's shot. We're, we know he's been killed because the guy doesn't get, I mean, even though we did, it's just, we know he's dead. And we have this guy in a white suit pop up, uh, Sebastian Cabot's Mr. Uh, Pip, Mr. Pip. Keep saying well, Mr. Pip, but it's Mr. Pip. <laughs> and he is a guy that, like, is a well dressed man, is basically his concierge in a lot of respects. But, you know, of course, Rocky is just very, he's very cautious about everything that's going on. I like when he stands up because he's been shot, he is not able to fully stand up properly, which I thought was a nice touch. It's like, you know, you know, he's been like severely wounded. So there's no way you're going to stand up normally and just walk away from that. So I like when Mr. I like when Pip goes, you have to give us some time and you'll come revert back to normal, which is like almost like his death is slowly eking away out of him. And he's, you know, transferring himself into the afterlife in a lot of respects. But I, I thought that was kind of, yeah. An interesting concept, which I don't know if that's exactly what it is, but that's what it felt like. Ooh, um, did the name kind of Pip have bit. some type of? Did the name Pip have some type of like other meaning? Also, was there like a, a something else to that, or is that just what they picked? I don't know. I couldn't find yeah, anything specific, but I wasn't. I didn't okay. look a ton. There is another episode later on in in Twilight Zone that's called "In Praise of Pip." like you always hear it referred to as like a young like a young lad like pip lad or whatever but i don't know in regards to this specifically where that sits okay i don't know if it was maybe like abbreviation for a name of you know what we eventually find out's going on here or if i mean i can look quick give me a second here shortened version well i mean i'll say i like how um valentine's like (laughs) need like a hole in the head rocky stands up also sigh he feels weird and I think uh, I think Pip actually says uh, you're 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 almost on target right there, which I thought was kind of kind of funny, but you just had a hole in your head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh um, well, in in British Britishism, <laughs> it derives from a from a poultry disease known as the pip. Um, to have the pip mean to get depressed or out of sorts, beginning in the 1830s, and giving someone the pip meaning to annoy or irritate. Oh well, that makes sense for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's a real pip. If you're talking mm. about the the phrase, she's a real pip. She's an excellent or very attractive person. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe pip is a. I mean, he is a he's a he is a guy of a certain quality, I guess, for individuals. I don't know, but he's well dressed. Well, the, the the guy that he's played a distinguished him, gentleman. I, yeah, exactly. 
the guy that played him actually went on to play Santa Claus in Miracle on 34th Street in 1973. And he's Which, not as old as they portray him here either because his beard and hair, I think they had to bleach it. Yep. And, and it, it stayed, stayed that, that way, way for, for six like... months. <laughs> oh, yeah. so he's so he plays the original Santa Claus in Miracle? No, no, oh, no. He oh, played TV. one in the like in the 70s, so remake. Of oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, were... yeah, that one. I didn't know not they like remade the 30s. this. No. No. Yeah, I didn't realize they made three different versions of that movie or that property or whatever. Interesting. I think the one from this, I don't know. I guess they're both popular. But I know which one Trip's talking about from the mm. 70s, I guess it was. The the question on on Valentine's mind is not the fact that he's been given this like nice house or nice room and all this stuff. It is how does how does Pip know his name? He calls him Faso. <laughs> He doesn't like games. Pip points out that he loves games like Baccarat and you know roulette and stuff like that. But he's he's basically brought to this nice hotel apartment room or whatever, and given all the clothes and giving you know money and food and whatever he wants. Which I started thinking about as we get early, like later into this episode. It's like what I brought up the I can't remember last week or the last episode before that is. If you if you have all the money in the world, would you truly be happy or would you want more money? And most of the time, billionaires want more money. <laughs> they're, they're not happy with more money. They want more money or houses or I mean, that's kind of what's happening here. I don't know if you guys agree. Like he's he's been given everything. But as we see, the more he gets, the more he kind of loses interest. I guess you could say. I don't know if you agree or not. They want unlimited powers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it comes down, at least in this case, I mean, as we learn as we go along, I think with him it comes back to more freedom, like the the un, the unsecured nature of life and it's compared to like where everything is sort of planned out. And that obviously comes about more later, but... The thrill. Yep, exactly. He wants the thrill of it, of not knowing, but he knows. So what what's the point of life if you... It's kind of like, I've already... <laughs> I took it back to this movie on another episode it's not a very good movie but the idea behind it was good this movie called i am mortal that i reviewed mm. a couple of months ago where everybody is immortal and they they kind of like lose all purpose in life and that's the whole purpose of the whole movie is like if you know you're never going to die if you know that there's there's no chance you're going to die you're immortal what's the point of it all you don't there's 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 no excitement in life. There's no, there's no danger. And that's kind of what he's saying is like, like when they talk about robbing the bank, he's like, if I know that I'm going to get away, if it's all pre-planned, what's, what's the point? I mean, it might be fun once, but after that, I mean, there's no, there's no excitement in it. Well, that's like um, when we talk about like, we're sad to see us leave on a vacation, like our vacation's over or something we do that we really, that we've been planning and really excited for is over like man i wish i could just do that forever and then you realize if you did that forever what's the point it's boring you don't get to have that excitement anymore it's like you know going on a cruise and your three-day cruise is over and then you're like man i want to go on another cruise so you plan like a year down the road so to make it you know a little more enjoyable than doing it every day and you know that type of thing so loss is a key part to life mm -hmm. and enjoyment because if like i mean you live in miami you never go to the beach <laughs> thank you <laughs> if i was supposed I, I may have just doxed you sorry but um <laughs> you live in a florida city on the coast you never go to the beach you know that whole thing 
it's it's like when you have something that you've always wanted and this when you get it it's just like it doesn't it doesn't have as much allure to it anymore mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'll give it. you i'll give you a good example disney world i could never go to disney world again and be just happy or if i go to disney world it's for the new rides i don't go I just don't have any reason to because I've been there so many times. It's lost its luster to me. But, you know, people who have never been there before, it's a whole different experience. Oh, yeah. So. It's a scarcity is what it comes down to. Exactly. I did also um, but, want to mention, and this is kind of random, yeah. and, and I just, I was I was intrigued because I had never heard of it. But um, Mr. Pip mentions Mumbly Peg, which is a game of skill. Um, he, apparently, um, Valentine was super good at it as a kid. But essentially, they would like toss a knife as close to their foot as possible, and the one that lost the game had to pull up, pull the the knife out of the ground with their teeth. The fuck! <laughs> this came from an era when kick the can was some shit. Okay, I mean, who's who's doing that? I mean, this is essentially you know pre jart jarts. <laughs> this is. This I think about that for a second. <laughs> this is clearly in the same era as you know when they did uh ballet dancing in the middle of the streets as a puerto rican group and a white group fought over you know <laughs> land or some shit yeah, uh, <laughs> but before we actually get <laughs> say before we get into the boredness that valentine adheres to he's literally given everything he if he wants something pippa can give it to him money He's given a really nice, uh, nice kind of 50 cool 50 zoot suit or whatever. He's um, given all this stuff. And of course, my favorite part is a lot of people get paranoid if you're served food, especially if you're maybe not looked upon as very nice. People will serve you uh, very interesting poisonous foods or whatever if you're high royalty or something like that. And he's like, hey, What do you? He, he looks at it. He's like, You eat it, fatso. I'm like, Damn it. I want to. <laughs> I know you're hungry, motherfucker. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like all that stuff is coming to a head. Like he's starting to realize he's, he's been skeptical throughout most of the episode anyways, but he's kind of like, why am I giving all this stuff? Why is all this stuff happening? And then he gets to a point where he like pulls out his gun and starts shooting Pip, but nothing happens. And I think that's funny. He just shoots him four times. And he's like, oh, my guess my gun must be out of whack or something like that. And then he shoots a lamp and it's like, buy lamp and it destroys itself or it you know comes crashing down and stuff like that but i mean hey, we, we, we need to talk about the technical aspects of that for a minute because i mean clearly he's shooting blanks of some sort but i don't know what type of if it was just a cat gun or what but i mean it had some type of propulsion it was shooting you know the the, the smoke out of the front of it it was a blank of some kind and as we've seen in multiple accidents that have happened on movies blanks are deadly mm-hmm. at range you know i mean you know you you can't just like the, the soap opera star years ago who took the the blank gun put it to his head and pulled the trigger a blank is still firing it's a wad of paper essentially that fires out i mean it is still a mass that comes out it just dissipates and burns up before it gets to you know the distance of a bullet he was fairly close to that guy while he was shooting him in the face and all that i'm wondering i mean was that like composited in or was he was he just shooting a blank at this guy from like three or four feet away because that's fucking dangerous if he was i was assuming he was shooting to the side of him as compared to straight at maybe him. yeah maybe the where the the, the angle made it, maybe he was shooting off to the side or something but yeah i saw that and i was damn he's like 
fairly close to that guy, just point blank shooting blanks. And like, I mean, I know there's not real bullets, but a blank can do damage. And you can even, even from that distance, you shoot a blank in somebody's face, that hot paper burning up is going to hit them and burn them. You know, it's, I thought that was, that's what I think. When I see shit like that, that's what I think of. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where like, you almost have to ask the question is for, you know, when you look at what happened recently on that Alec Baldwin set, you just, maybe they, they just have, I'm assuming they have someone there to make sure that what, whatever uh, this guy playing Valentine is doing that he does it properly. So um, yeah. back then, <laughs> you don't think they had anybody. <laughs> hey, I, give would, him a I gun would and believe said... that there was someone more likely there than back in like the early 1900s when they do Westerns and they use live ammo. Like there was a couple of cowboys that died back then. Oh, yeah. those brave souls making and this was five cents of a movie. This is this is early silent movies, but still, it was yeah, like, heroes of cinema. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they, no, they're just like just just pointed, you know, in that general direction. Try not to shoot him. <laughs> Shooting away. I mean, this is the same show that had people like passing out in the fucking desert too. Remember on cranes, <laughs> falling off cranes and shit. I don't think OSHA was a thing back then. <laughs> Not in the way it is now, at least. Nope. No. But for the most part, this whole break is is just his introduction to this room, this world, this whatever he's in. He asked for a, a, a million. He wants a million dollars, and a chick that won't quit. Uh, it starts dancing. He's given all this, you know, just on the drop of a hat. And I, I start to question as we start getting later, and we find out what's actually happening, like. It's almost like a horrifying to think about, you know, this guy is given everything, but it just it is really useless. Like I'm thinking about like when you're dead and you're eating. I don't know if you're what happens when you're dead, but you eat food and like, you know, it's like being in the matrix. You actually can you actually taste it or is it like just something of fake notice? Like tasty or, wheat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like burning. I mean, they do talk about um, like the the bathroom and stuff so in, in theory you know i think it, you know look at how he should have known from the start oh you know i he questions from the beginning oh you know i wasn't a very good person how did i get here how did i you know but it never goes further than that it doesn't go deeper so the ability to convince oneself where you are i mean and this whole this whole idea of this episode which is i'm i don't think rostrum was going for is the concept of like do you believe in the afterlife do you not believe in the afterlife would this be the afterlife like you just don't know uh, it's just it's weird to think if like rod stone was going you know what they should do in the afterlife they should have a guy named pip and he should give you everything you want but then you get bored and but, but don't you think, um, too, the way this is set up like if you took another person knowing where he ends up like it wouldn't be this kind of a setup rocky was so unable to work with the stuff that he, he was given mm-hmm. that you know that was his version of this like someone else is going to have a completely separate version of it and my version is going to be sitting here at my computer constantly editing videos my version some... is sitting here next to my computer with someone else editing my videos that's my <laughs> oh. <head. laughs> I, I like how uh when he's asking for he says a million dollars in g notes and a chick that won't quit and he, he gets those things i just like that the expression it's like a million dollar in g notes I'm like G notes. Which is, like is he like a five thousand dollar bill? That's a five that thousand dollar bill. Which they, yeah, they stopped producing those in like 1946 or something. Apparently, 
And I think that uh, the the random trivia, which I'm not trying to step on no, Trip's no, no, part no, here. No. We're all good. <laughs> if you had a million dollars in G notes, it'd only be like 200 bills. Jesus. Which I guess that's how a million dollars fit in that that uh, that little yeah, side door. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's pretty much where the the break ends. I guess he shows him the outside of the door, and it has Henry Valentine's name on it, and that's pretty much like I said where the episode ends. There's not really much more to add unless you guys missed something. But this is all set up. Where the episode really ends? No, no, well that too. No, no, the uh, the break. <laughs> you said that's where the episode ends. That's. <laughs> I, I meant the break. Yeah. the actual uh, act break. We um, skipped some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just ends. He's happy, good luck. He's happy. He's fulfilled. He gets a million dollars and a chick that won't quit. You know, he's he's in good shape. It's <laughs> this is like the episode of Friends where uh, Phoebe's never watched the end of Bambi. It's it's, it's all good. You know, she's click off the tape. So that type of thing. Yeah. Have we gotten? <laughs> was it before or after the break that he he doesn't really go to a casino, but the casino kind of materializes in his apartment? Mm. No, that's has, literally have like, we, right. has, that's after. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. okay. Because there's something about that. Yeah, we'll we'll do that after the commercial break. Um, but let me ask you this: for the break act, uh, do you guys feel like it was a good kind of meaty intro, or do you feel like you know, like last week we had like a really meaty intro that was a little slow for Jacob, I remember. But what do you guys think of that first act? I overall really enjoy this episode. So like the the cheeky, it's so cheeky. Like everything that goes on with this, and I don't know, I really. I enjoy like where this goes like the fact that he's like like I want a girl that doesn't quit and he's sitting there like doing hand gestures to indicate what he wants about her that's not gonna quit like he yeah. just like he points at these very you know I mean semi-erotic photos and or uh, paintings and I don't know just everything about it is so I don't know it goes out and beyond and I think that's kind of great um I think this was classic Twilight Zone I mean I like I liked I liked it. I think it was uh, even up to this point. It was a, a nice even episode. It wasn't boring. It wasn't just tons of setup. Obviously, it's set up in the first part, but it wasn't just like set up with no payoff. You were getting little payoffs here or there. You were getting they were divvying out little bits of information and little interesting things were happening. So it kept me interested the whole time. I mean, uh, I did kind of. I didn't know, like I said earlier, I didn't know exactly where it was going, but just how kind of cagey Mr. Pip was being with some of his answers mm. to some of the uh, cursory things that uh, um, uh, Rocky would say, like he, whenever he would say something about, I'm in the good, or I'm in heaven or the good place for that, and he'd be like, All right, well, uh, and then it would just kind of like move on to something else. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, you're not. Um, but <laughs> I I picked up on that. I didn't know mm. specifically where they were going, but I picked up on that. But I was still having a good time with it. Um, and I didn't know it was going to go down the road of like the whole boredom thing and all that. So, yeah, I was enjoying the episode up to this point. But the second half, for sure, that's when some really interesting things happen. Okay. Some interesting well, things come up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, there's a lot of... Um what i would call foreshadowing for the character i don't know if that maybe i'm i don't know i feel like this foreshadowing because he's given all this stuff and it's stuff that affects the second half in a lot of ways from his tonal characterization of the character himself of valentine of you know um how he treats pip and 
how Pip, like you said, is very cagey in what he says. He even says at one point, he's like, you know, he says, I can't really get into that, you know, that really, because he asked him later on, you know, are you waiting for the big boss? And he's like, you know, being, like you said, cagey. I like how everything sets up with a nice payoff later on with how just everything starts to turn on this character of Valentine because he seems like he's getting everything. He's, he keeps saying, oh, I'm, like you said, I'm, I'm in heaven and it's exciting and I'm getting all this and you're going to find out that that may not be the place he's going to. So um. <laughs> I do got to wonder if people back in 1960, and I've wondered this with many of the episodes that we've watched, do we, are we able, because there's been quite a few episodes that I've said a similar thing. And I know you guys have felt that way to a degree of like, Hey, I know obviously we're watching the twilight zone. There's going to be something that happens, but like with this one, I, I figured out fairly early on. Yeah. That's not where you're at. I gotta I wonder back then, are we just jaded to like know that something's going on and we just like dissect everything as we're watching it back in the sixties or 1960, 61 when they were watching these was it just like a big revelation to them were they like holy shit i never i never would have thought they would have done that but now that we've yeah. seen just similar stories where they've taken these you know probably cues from the twilight zone and they've taken these kind of like twists of fate and stuff like that uh we've seen them so much that now we expect them and we're looking for them but maybe back then it wasn't as common. I'm, I'm, I am curious of that. I mean, there's no way we'll ever know unless we get somebody who was watching them when they were new to say, yeah, well, we never saw that coming. But when you think about these episodes and they're, they're complex in the nature of what Rod certainly is trying to present to the public, but there is a simplistic nature to them that is almost unrecognizable to today's films and TV and stuff like that. There's, you know, there's this. We have two characters. They're in a room for most of the time. They're being presented with this particular situation, and I don't think a lot of TV back in the day was doing stuff like this. That was a little more complex on the side of its, you know, concepts and theories and ideas. And I think that's why it was able to surprise audience. I mean, if you think about it, and you watch something like Time Enough at Last, I mean, you kind of see where it starts to head after a while, and the idea of him losing his glasses is such a catch you off the guard type of situation that I think that's maybe where I think why it's, why it's so hard for us to kind of just watch the episode in simplest terms of just watching it for the surprise and the fact, because we're so used to like deciphering, like look at the Marvel, the MCU or something like that. There's always this deciphering of everything. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's where I come at it. I think it was just, it was such a different show for what was probably on TV at the time. I guess. Well, sure. Before that, I mean, like you said, everything was Mr. Ed, I Love Lucy, Dobie Gillis, stuff like that. I mean, that was probably mm. later 60s, but, you know, there was all that kind of, you know, sitcoms and things like that. People weren't used to seeing TV shows that really kind of challenged you, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like what they're, people, what they saw on screen was what it was. Mm. And then, and I mean, I'm sure there was some other shows, but it was very much what you see is what you get this show was showing you one thing and then by the time you get to the end it's like oh nope just playing <laughs> we're fucking with you yeah so it I mean, probably I was most the... people probably were kind of taken back by it yeah right i mean I, I do think you look at the fiction of the era and and regarded obviously this is a different thing and something that hadn't been done on television per se but i mean movies of the era weren't necessarily innocent i mean 
even just the B movies of that era were, you know, there was a lot of that same like twist ending and things of that nature. So that's not TV though. That's not going to be your, you know, your husband and wife and 2.5 kids or whatever. So I think it's probably. And also everybody consumption of media back then was different Mm -hmm. than it is now. Movies and stuff didn't come to TV. No. I mean, they some of them did, but they didn't, like, if you saw a movie, you went to the theater to see a movie. The movies would play in theaters for years. I mean, they come back a whole mm-hmm. bunch of times. Stuff like, like, you weren't watching, I don't know, Gone with the Wind on TV. And if you did, when a movie did come on TV, it was like an event. It was a big deal. Yeah. But, like, it was rare that movies were on TV. It was all TV shows and sitcoms and stuff like that so some people might not even see these movies they might not even this this may be it's hard to think about it but like this may just really be that jaw dropping of oh my god i never saw that coming because they said they never said that that's what it was they said it was this and i just put blind faith in everything they said but uh, yeah i think that's why the twilight zone is so influential and why it's become like one of the great pieces of america i america Kanama or whatever you call it, Americana. Yeah. Whatever. I split two words in one. Is for that simple fact that. (laughs) Chip Ladder Michael Khan. American. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's looked upon as like revolutionary and inspirational Americana and stuff like that. It's just for the simple fact that it was doing stuff that no other TV show was doing at the time and still is influential like psycho and the things that it was doing for sci-fi horror and stuff like that so i think i think that's why we when it comes down to it that's why it's so different than anything that came out at the time i mean i was looking at like i was looking up uh tv shows in the 60s and like one of the big ones was uh andy griffith show (laughs) mr ed (laughs) they're like yeah you know you know (laughs) the parallels are are seamless (laughs) i mean a talking horse uncanny (laughs) <laughs> i know right only in the twilight zone yeah exactly i mean yeah i mean andy griffith every week with uh what's his face portrait Don of Knox. a man <laughs> <laughs> boring as hell wilbur and his horse <laughs> edward <laughs> i mean hell this man the fuck's a corn cob of edward's ass <laughs> to get his mouth to move it does make you wonder how did Mr. Ed get the Mr. before his name? I mean, most of the time you'd say Mr. was my father. I'm just Ed. I mean, if you've ever seen the movie Hot to Trot with Bob Bobcat Goldthwait, where he's a, I think a talking horse. Was he a fly? I can't remember. I think he's a horse. I don't know. He explains a lot about Mr. Ed. Tells uh, about how they shoved a corn cob up his ass to get him to move his lips like that. Oh, that poor horse. I mean, was he a horse? I, I in, uh, oh, he's a he's a sock puppet in uh, Freaks, wasn't he? Or freak. He turns into a well. He's got a yes. sock puppet head and then a human body. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Love that part. Um, okay, so moving on, let's go back on target. Uh, after the break, basically, <laughs> Rocky Valentine is uh, he's winning all the time. He's got a bunch of ladies and some weird random dude in the side there that just seems to smile all the time when he wins money and um, he's just winning. He wins. He's a winner. Hashtag winning, you know, winning. that type of thing. And, uh, you know, it goes over to a slot machine, which wins $600, which is like, I don't know, $300,000 for us today. You know, that type of thing. Yes. Speaking can, of 
Speaking of, did something look familiar there? Yes. Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is familiar. And I was kind of scared for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was the same one, huh? I didn't even notice. I didn't even pay attention to that. Before I even looked it up, I said, this slot machine looks familiar. And I looked it up. And what do you know? It is the same one from The Fever, which kind of scared me because I was like, oh, shit. No connections to that, please. (laughs) Well, it's in hell technically, so it makes sense. Exactly. So that 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 actually, yeah, that made a lot of sense. You think that slot machine has its own IMDb credit? I bet you it probably does. (laughs) I mean, it does agent. speak at one point, so I mean, it should have yeah. an IMDb credit. It doesn't go process in this one. <laughs> <laughs> if it did, mm. though, I'd wanted to talk like Pee Wee Herman, like in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Good job, Francis. Shit. <laughs> 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 I will also uh, say, like, when they go out, and I'm jumping ahead just a tad, but I love when they leave the casino, like, the bags that they have full of money actually say, the casino. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, but wasn't the yeah. casino just in his apartment? I don't think so. No, because they they, uh, the they room, actually right? leave. They leave in the car, then they go back to the apartment. Oh, that's yeah. right. They did. I swear uh, it was the same set up. It might have been, but it's Valentine. Valentine, when they leave, is like into the cracker box, and then three lady and Pip, and they go in and stuff like that. So the ashtrays are full. Yeah, so he needs to get a new oh, yeah, because the ashtrays said, are full. Yeah, they turn yeah. they turn the trooper into a little person. <laughs> yeah, the screw. The screw thinks he's better than me because he's a little taller than me. <laughs> Make him like a little kid. <laughs> Or a midget, uh, well, little little person. I think we've had this conversation before. I'm not have. really sure what to say. <laughs> I mean, no offense to anyone. <laughs> um, but during this point, this is when you, you brought up the Hall of Records. Uh, Valentine, he he brings all. The, this is. I'm pretty sure. I think I know what happens, but it's really a little confusing. He takes all the the ladies in the room, brings them into the bedroom. Then he has a moment with Pip and. Pip's like, you know, if you ever need to call me, call me at PIP, you know, on the phone or whatever, which is, you know, a phone with only three letters on it. But he also asks about the Hall of Records and he's brought to the same, I think, staircase as Time Enough at Last, maybe. Same one they may have used for that episode. And I just liked how they called this a Hall of Records and it was just some fucking filing cabinets outside on top of some <laughs> stairs. <laughs> there was no I mean, hall. It's Hall of Records. But before we get there, not to cut us off, not, to, not no, to, yeah. to, to ramble a bit, but did you guys notice the part where he goes to tell, uh, you know, the broads, he's like, hey, I'll be right back with you. And he looks in and something's well, up and he's like, what the hell? And then he like walks off. And he he kind of yeah. like keeps looking back like something was weird. Then he leaves. It, did I miss something? It never explained that. Maybe they disappeared. That's what I was thinking. Maybe they I'm were honestly, maybe part I, I of was assume that he was maybe put off slightly by because he goes to ask talks to pip pip says hey um if you need help let me know or no i'm sorry he's trying to figure out what he did to get into heaven mm. yeah that was and, when they were about to leave to go to the hall of records and he goes to tell them hey i'll be right back stay right here and he says it and then he's kind of like taken back and he's like but he doesn't say anything about it and he kind of like does like a double take and closes the door and comes out and kind of looks back again 
He's like, yeah, well, let, let's go. Come on. Is that where he talks about? Um, no, he talks about how everyone there is kind of like a set pieces, like part of a movie, right? I think yeah, that was after he or was that earlier. Started, well, I, I think it's when he starts movie. getting bored. It's because uh, he goes, he goes to the Hall of Records and. He's like, oh, you know, what have I done good? And of course, he's done nothing good. Like, I think he killed a cat or something like that. And then he uh, just did some really nefarious things. And uh, I was like, man, this poor guy has just never had a good life. He probably, you know, beat when he was a kid and probably abused and shit. It's just like, I almost feel bad for him a little bit. But it's like, can, can you feel bad for him? I mean, like, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird character to have. You, can, yeah, but- you can say, you know, you can feel bad for the situation that he was put into mm. from an early age, but he still had the choice to kind of a little bit, at least to choose his own destiny. I, I did also love when they're having the conversation about um, like, you know, where they're at. And he says that something like, well, I thought only school teachers went to heaven. And uh, Pip says, we have a couple school teachers here. And I just thought that was really <laughs> funny. I love that line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what's so by that point of... we already knew. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of what's cool about Pip's character. He is a very jolly individual, but he's also uh, can answer any question. And sometimes his answers are kind of awesome like that. And um, I mean, he comes like when they come back, he says, you know, dial PIP on the phone, which, uh, you know, I, I love the Twilight Zone in their phones to being weird and different and <laughs> strange. Um, well, for somebody who doesn't, who who is so attuned to everything around him, <clears throat> and trying to figure out what's going on as Rocky is, he just does not pick up on any of the fucking shit that Pip's giving off. Like, he doesn't listen to anything that guy has to say. He's saying shit and like he's like, oh, I'm in this place. He's like, well, well, you know, uh. <laughs> he gives a lot of <laughs> hints away and he's just like, whatever. <laughs> oh, look, broads that won't quit. Well, oh, actually, part me... of I think that's part of Rocky's really thing stacked. though, too. He's so he's so into his well, own enjoyment of it that he doesn't yeah. see anything beyond that. Yeah, because that that's I'll go back to Disney Disney World again. If you ever go to Disney World or Disneyland, you kind of become oblivious to the fact that you're walking into buildings that are just kind of show buildings and stuff like that. You're just looking at the land as a facade of like really cool attractions and stuff like that. But you never kind of unless the ride breaks down, you're you're kind of in your own world. And I think that's what's happening here. I think until he starts getting bored and starts questioning everything, I think he's just kind of wrapped up in his own desires and excitement and you know, his obliviousness, I guess you could say. I mean, at some point in this episode, as we get down, he is really bored. He uh, is back at the gambling casino, but he's just tired of winning. I like how he just like, you want your money wrapped in, uh, wrapped in a, a bag? He's like, I don't give a shit, basically. <laughs> he walks over to the, <laughs> like, he's Man, has a, me. Exactly. But he only has like a back rack roulette table or whatever it is. And he has a, a uh, the uh, old, uh, What's that? Was that from the fever? What, what did he call himself or whatever? The, the, the slot machine, Franklin. No, the slot machine. Did, what was what was he calling out to the? He was calling out the guy's name, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it's Franklin. Oh Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. So we're just yeah. We're, we're just gonna call the slot machine Franklin. Um, he he has his own Franklin and stuff like that. And then he's the money. Like he wins the money. He the money goes everywhere. He's just like eh, whatever. And then he uh he walks into his room and he basically eats an apple. One goes to throw it and sees a uh, pool table, and then the, <laughs> he starts playing the pool. And you can clearly see that the balls or the tables kind of slanted, so they go into different the different holes and stuff like that. And he just like gets angry by that, and like 
man, this must be murder to him and stuff like that. But this is when he calls Pip and, you know, uh, it, it, it's like Pip comes in because as soon as he dials Pip, Pip arrives. And this is where we get into like, you know, you know, wants to go back to the old days and he's offered, you know, hey, we can set up a bank for you. You can rob a bank and you can get a getaway car. It, I, I, I have this question. So if you're literally a, he's literally able to do whatever he wants, at least at this moment. Do you think that he would like start doing other things? Is he too simple minded to do like what, like this is the same thing over and over or I, I don't know. I guess I'm a little confused about why he's so bored when he's allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. That is exactly what I have in my notes. I said, I feel like I could find some other things to do in that place <laughs> before. I mean, if you're talking eternity, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty active imagination, but yeah, this guy's like, He's like, I've been here a month and I'm bored. I'm like, man, if I could just have anything I wanted. Well, yeah, I get what he's saying that like some of the excitement in life is not there because you, you get whatever you want. I still feel like I could I could ride that out for a while, at least a few years, if not like a, a few hundred years, you know, and it, maybe after a while you'd be kind of like, OK, there's nothing left to do. But I feel like a month, a month. There, I could, I could, I could find some shit to do. I could, I could get into some weird shit that uh, if I knew that like, nothing, no, nothing was out of bounds. Yeah, I, I, you know, maybe they should have stretched that out a year at least. I don't know. Mm. But I think that therein lies the thing. It's that that's what made it his personal hell. Really, was the fact that he was so like it, it was the lack of independence, the lack of you know the thrill of the hunt. That was his downfall was sure. the fact that he needed that i mean it's like um you know you could lay out a feast in front of someone but if they're too stubborn you know to or that's a terrible analogy i apologize um no keep going i'm really you hungry give, you give no. <laughs> you give someone everything but they don't know how to how to see it for what it is i mean that's that's you know that's where it comes into play that that's what makes this his hell is that he can't see beyond the well, but I, I can't, you know, there's no spontaneity, you know, there's no danger, there's no thrill. I mean, that's that was what made it as hell. You take that, yeah. also, you, you know, someone else. You have to work for something. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I mean, he he was so this is all he's ever done, like going back violence and and you know, going against the law and all that stuff was all he'd ever known. And and yeah. literally speaking, he was in a rut because everything was handed to him him nothing was was hard to get well that's um that's the thing that leads into the end of this episode the irony of it all is when he tries to when he figures out what's going on and he's like you know the whole getaway thing the bank thing and it's crazy because everything feels off about it and you know he's he doesn't want to have he, he, he wants that excitement like you guys were talking about and he's like talking about how he's in heaven and pip finally reveals he's like I never said you were in heaven. Oh, no, he wants to, he's in heaven. He wants to go to the other place. And Pip kind of starts laughing his head off. He's like, you thought you were in heaven? You're actually in the other place. And that kind of makes me question because he tries to like, I think he tries to leave the room or something like that. And the door's locked. Do you think he's now trapped in that apartment or is he still trapped in this excitement, boring life that he's now going to have to live for the rest of eternity? And I mean, do you think that the stuff that he was given is officially gone now? And he's just kind of stuck 
I mean, what do you think happens? Because like I said, he's laughing his ass, he's laughing his ass off. Pip is, which you know, I thought I thought he was the devil, but you guys made a good point that I don't think he's actually the devil. He's a a minion. He's a he's a guy holding the pitchfork, you know, the little dancing you know minion guy or whatever. But what do you guys think happens to this guy? Where I mean, do you think he's stuck in that room forever, or do you think he can continue doing? You know, what do you guys think? I think it's a metaphor for the fact that you know he had doubts and mm-hmm. he didn't know that he was in a cage and all of a sudden he realizes he's in a cage. I think that that's what I took it as. So he could still go out and gamble, do all these things, but he knows that regardless of what he does, it's not under his own volition. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that he'll still be able to do have whatever he wants, but except for the one thing he wants. And that's the excitement of, you know, getting caught having to earn something, even though he was a thief and he stole things, he still earned those things by, you know, the wrong way, by going and thieving and, and robbing and murdering and things like that. He can't do that now because the thrill of getting caught, the thrill of not being able to achieve, uh, uh, to obtain these things is gone. Now everything he wants, that's his hell. Which I mean, they you know they people say that about heaven and hell is like every heaven and every hell is different for everybody, and I guess that's kind of what this is is on on you know first glance getting everything you want in the world seems like it would be heaven, but for some people, and I guess they they give a good case for all people, it would actually be a hell when what you want is not necessarily the the thing. But what you where you derive the satisfaction of having the thing is working for it. Like, I mean, me, this computer that I bought, that I built, and it took me a long time to save up the money to get that and have that. If somebody just gave it to me, I wouldn't appreciate it. I'd just be like, okay, it's just another $7,000 computer. But no, I spent a lot of hard work and blood and tears and all that to get that and and finally be able to do that for myself so now i really appreciate this thing that's sitting next to me and i take care of it but if it was just given to me it would just it wouldn't have no meaning it would be boring and i guess that's, that's his hell that's actually an excellent point if you think about it because that's uh when you when you cre- like you said when you create something when you build something i mean you know you can go to a restaurant many times and have great food but it's like when you go and do it yourself it's like as stupid as it sounds building something from ikea it's the same type the same type of thing where you know you get all the you get all this packaging instructions and you build the shit yourself and you feel excited and then you like you said you get it yourself it's you know not as exciting it's cool but it's like the the trade-off there that's a, that's a really that's a good point about you know the whole idea of why he would be in his own personal hell because yeah he gets all this stuff but he doesn't really it doesn't have any satisfaction to it which is yeah it's, he didn't it's, earn it i mean even if his way of earning it is at gunpoint mm-hmm. that's his way you know i mean <laughs> we, we may disagree with it but he didn't earn it he didn't achieve it he didn't he didn't go and get it it was just given to him and it means nothing and there's no excitement in it so that's the one thing he can't have is that excitement and that, that part that that thrill of life it's just not yeah. there. You could have everything in the world except for that feeling of satisfaction that you get from that stuff. And I think that he'll still be able to do that. But also to, to comment on, you had said that Mr. Pip is just sitting there laughing his ass off, which he does get there. 
But right before that, Mr. Pip's been this jolly old, good mannered, <laughs> nice guy the whole time. And yep. then right there at the end, and he's been putting up with this motherfucker shit the whole time, talking shit, being a jackass. And he's just been, huh? Yeah, well, um, and it, like he'll go and try and say something, and the guy talks over him. And then finally, there in the end, I feel like he just lost his shit. And he was like, You are in the other place, motherfucker. like just laughs his ass but he has a moment there where he just like switches it real quick and dude's like uh oh fuck (laughs) but yeah we get to see his true colors for just a minute don't fuck with mr pip nope can we can we talk about the fact that all people from hell are big fat jolly guys does that mean santa claus is a from hell i mean santa satan those are those two yeah, Santa sure. Claus is, I mean, he's got claws and, uh, <laughs> you know, Satan claws. And, you know, there's this, what's his brother? His brother is from hell. What's his name? Uh, uh, Krampus, 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 whatever. You have terrifying yeah, kind of like Santa. Um, so, what Nick is saying to everyone out there in the world is that all overweight people are from hell. I, or going I, I to hell. To I mean, you yeah. can derive it, you could derive however you want. He, you, you heard it here first. He said, "All overweight people are going to hell." Well, I am overweight, so that is definitely happening. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hell. No, seriously. Though. I was trying to think if I want to do oh, oh, the closing credits now or closing narration now. Or um, I'd say do closing the, narration now, and then we can get into the other discussions. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is there mm-hmm. anything else you guys wanted to talk about on this episode? Any other? metaphors or concepts and ideas about this episode is there anything else that you noticed that i forgot to talk about which tends to happen jacob and trevor very good at reminding me of stuff i forgot that i watched like 20 minutes before the episode recorded so yeah you guys have anything else i mean this episode um is um kind of looked at on the same plane as escape clause sort of similar character stories kind of piece of shit individuals um talked to by by you know someone from hell whether it be the Mm. devil or whether it be you know a minion or whatever so see the funny thing is there's a a good question is go ahead well go no go i was gonna say is is he really a bad guy or is he just a guy that it was a uh, unfortunate circumstance or whatever victim of circumstance valentine or the other guy oh yes valentine valentine I mean, he's a piece of shit individual. I mean, from his record, he was from way back. He was a person of ill repute. I mean, I like that. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Up to the, I mean, they only got to like what nine, and he had already like killed some animals and uh, strangled some things and started a gang. And the funny thing was in that part also when they were talking about all the shitty stuff he did, the guy would be like, I mean at this age you murdered a fucking dog and he was like i mean it bit at me it barked at me or whatever and he's like yeah it snapped he's at like you something. started a gang oh that gang had such a good name <laughs> i mean the guy <laughs> was gone. oblivious to how shitty he had been yeah he was not good and we we assume in the beginning he either knocked the fuck out of this old man in the ground on the floor or murdered him one mm-hmm. so he was i wouldn't say he was a a good good guy not in my opinion. That's fair. What were, what were you? <laughs> Maybe he's you were, misunderstood. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely misunderstood. Now he's really misunderstood. <laughs> um, yeah. But you were gonna say something before I, I start talking, Jacob. Oh hell, I don't remember. 
<laughs> so, so with I'll that said, a few minutes and randomly say it. Uh, so with that said, I guess we'll we'll actually we'll actually remember to do the closing narration. So Jacob, do uh, do us the closing narration, which is really short. Absolutely, this is extremely girthy closing narration. A scared, angry little man who never got a break. Now he has everything he's ever wanted. And he's going to have to live with it for eternity in the Twilight Zone. So pretty, pretty straightforward. But nothing, nothing really too um, oblivious to point out that type of thing. So, but yeah, it's. Um, I think overall, I think we, at least I think it's a good episode. Like I said, it has a lot to talk about, a lot more to talk about than I was expecting. But uh, and Jacob, still more. Yeah, yeah. Actually, let's do that, uh, Jacob. And I know Trevor was talking about this as well. we'll talk about the ratings stuff because I was actually didn't read about this, so I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about that. Well, I, I know Trev's got some trivia and some other points that I probably missed, but I just pulled out there was quite, apparently the ratings board or whatever they called the program practices. I think is what they called it. They were all over this episode, and it wasn't even the violence stuff like in the beginning, like we were talking about. It said it was. Uh, I think Trev already mentioned that it was singled out for its brazen sexual innuendo. And they requested that Valentine, like in the beginning when he's trying to describe the girl he wants, which clearly it it almost seems like he's just sitting there like held back by the ratings board when he's trying to say these words. He's like, I want a a woman who's, and he's even doing this and he's like (laughs) stacked. And I won't, I won't, I mean, he just wants to be like, I want a big titty hoe to come in here with a fat ass and just do whatever I want with, you know. But he he says, and they said, uh, they asked that he not refer to a girl as a broad, really stacked. And even though the crudity was essential to establishing the unsavory qualities of the character, nor could the protagonist refer to a party as a ball, because that word had more than one meaning. <laughs> i mean what other mean i mean yeah i know ball or balls has more than one meaning but what other meaning were they thinking that a ball you know i mean that really you could have in that context hey we're gonna have a ball i mean i only think of two things have a ball oh we're gonna have a great time like a fun you know party or fucking balls but i don't really see how you're gonna like mix up balls with hey let's go have a what hey let's go have some balls i mean i don't what other thing could be a ball be and oh. in another sequence <laughs> a voluptuous young lady tends to valentine's every need now this one i do want to point out and she says is there anything else i can do for you cbs comment wow. please be certain that the girl's third speech be delivered in a sweet manner as described to uh to have a ball is to have sexual intercourse. Really? Apparently. I did not know that. According to this. I'm gonna, I'm is that gonna the keep, uh, uh is that the early Netflix and chill? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, yeah. To have a ball is to have sexual Honey, In let's have a ball. <laughs> <laughs> See yeah, keep that in mind. See, when you see people going around, let's have a, you know, singing and cheering. Let's have a ball. You know, there's some dirty shit going down. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, can, we, can we talk about, can we talk about how Charles Beaumont wanted Mickey Rooney for the part, but his second choice was Rod Sterling? Oh, that his is second so choice odd. was Rod Sterling? Yeah. 
and uh, Mickey Rooney popped up in the night of the meek last night or last night of the jockey. That's right. Hmm. He did. I knew that Mickey Rooney was initially that's who they wrote the part for or something like that. Yeah, but apparently Charles Charles Beaumont wanted Rod Sterling, which would have been interesting. It would have been very interesting. Well, you think yeah. Mickey Rooney? I can't see him in that role. He he played. Well, I guess I'm thinking Andy Rooney, but like both of those guys, for the most part, played very kind of like you know upstanding kind of roles, at yeah. least well, to some that's extent. That's what they were going for. Kind of a Denzel Washington Training Day situation. I don't know. I. As somebody I, who you're not used to seeing in that light, and it makes it all the more shocking when he's I talking about stacked so, broads. That, that's that's not how they rolled though with, with with this. You know, they they picked to they picked stuff to back up the stereotypes because they only had 23 minutes, 24 minutes to be able to tell the story. That was I the think. Twilight Zone pushing boundaries, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Having a ball, exactly. <laughs> having all kinds of balls exactly exactly. all over their just shit. balls everywhere yeah. you get a ball you get a ball you get a ball just balls all over the place yeah balls on your face we're balling this all night this isn't movie 43 <laughs> that's balls on your chin or neck ball, neck balls <laughs> got neck balls anyway, uh, we got the topic there yeah. Well, what else what we you got do. for us, Triv? I know you got some more trivia. From Actually, Triv. most of it we already talked about. Um, oh. the, See, she the, knows how to sprinkle that trivia around. Um, sprinkle some trivia on them. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, the Mickey Rooney thing. The um, the fact that the guy that played Pip had to dye his hair it lasted for six months, which was really interesting. Um, same guy went on to play Santa and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I. Yeah, most of most of what we talked about, you know, was kind of sprinkled throughout. So word. I apologize. I kind of underwhelmed. <laughs> oh no. I think I, I kind of stole some of your thunder. No, I was like no, no. sprinkling this stuff in there because I had a little bit I watched this a little bit earlier than I usually do. So I have more time to like go and look at IMDB and stuff. I did a very short search of things. <laughs> I guess also some of the stuff. In. Oh. It is. I guess so. Oh, you get a book. I got a book. <laughs> yeah. coming. No, it says uh, Sterling passed on the idea instead. Instead, casting Larry Blyden. Unfortunately, Blyden's performance seriously mars the episode. Although he is likable, his broad portrayal of Valentine comes across like a third-rate composition impression of James Cagney, Edward James Robinson, and George Raft. Buck Hofton feels that the the material directed material dictated Blyden's approach. You have to do something extravagant to keep it from just laying there. If he had just if he had just gone for it and said, "Gee, that's a great broad," you mean she's mine? It would have been about as interesting as yesterday's fish. But he said, "Oh boy, really? Ha ha! I'm not having been the right thing to do, but it was something to do." Interesting as yesterday's fish. Yes, man. I wish that was <laughs> in the episode because that would be hell of a thing for lexicon, but. Well, yeah, I, mean, I guess he kind of does do like a, yeah, dictaphone. He, I guess he kind of does do a a, a a James Cagney impersonation to a degree. I can oh, see yeah. that. I didn't dislike the performance though. I mean, I I thought his performance fit in line with the other performances we've gotten in the era, or or, or during during that era as a whole. But during for Twilight Zone and what they were going for, sure, he's a little bit over the top. But weren't they all back then? 
to some extent in that role, I mean, you look at anything that Cagney did, or you look at anything that Edward G. Robinson did, I mean, their performances had some nuance, but when they get hyped up or into those like high stress situations, I mean, they all kind of went the same route. And the fact that he was, I don't know, the fact that he kind of overplayed or if, if he overplayed that role, I mean, he was kind of a two bit, you know, loser gangster guy. So the way he ended up, the, the, the way that he portrayed the role, I, I think it fit with him ending up in hell and not un- being able to see what he had. I just, I think the problem is you have 23, 24, maybe 25 minutes to tell a story. And I don't think there's enough time for a character development for somebody like Valentine, just my opinion. Cause he, he, he's basically no. his, the whole story arc is he goes to hell and he is given everything he wants. He didn't earn and he's being controlled by hell and his minions. I think that's where it comes down to. I think when they, I honestly think when they made the story, when chose Charles Beaumont made the story, I think he wanted something, but I don't think he was ever going to get the good version of the archetype of the, uh, you know, James Cagney or whatever. I mean, what would be the yeah, that good version why though, it that in that respect? I mean, what would, obviously, again, like you say, you only have so much time to, to fill out that character. But mm-hmm. I mean, he was a two-bit little bastard was really all he was. Yeah. And that's probably why they play it that way, like with the whole James Cagney pseudo impersonation and, and all the other tropes. And that's probably why a lot of characters in these, these episodes play to some of these tropes because like you said they only have 24 minutes to do the whole episode it's kind of hard to get like some deep character development going on so they got to include some tropes in there that people know at least of the time maybe not nowadays but at the time so you can immediately know some some things about this character when he's sitting there going hey coppers and all that you know you already kind of get a view of okay this is he's like one of those types of characters he's an unsavory type and yeah. I think I would assume that's why they kind of play into the tropes to a degree. I mean, they may have, you know, not played into those as much or made them a little bit not in your face and a little bit more uh, subtle had they had like, you know, an hour or, or, or I guess we'll find out in season four. But um, if they had more time, maybe they would have been a bit more subtle with it. Yeah. I mean, hell, you can and look at Mos- Yeah, season four. Yeah. When they come hour. Um, but you can look at monsters are doing Maple Street. I mean, even them, they're mostly stereotypes. They're not really, they're not really characters. They're they're meant as a uh, a way to tell a story, a way to tell an idea. So, yeah, and there's uh, something to be said for stereotypes. I mean, it's this things we know. It's a quick way to establish something, and we typically have a ne- negative connotation to the word stereotype, or when we're talking about stereotypes. But if it's used properly, which I think that they do in this show. I mean, they just kind of have to. I mean, by the time you would get the character, uh, you know, development that you would need for people to naturally figure out that this guy's a shitbag and all the things he's done, you're already past the 24 minutes of the episode and you haven't even done anything with, you know, the, what the episode's about. Yeah. We need the 20 minutes that happened before he robbed that store to figure out that he's he's an ass wipe. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it makes that's a good point. Uh, so with that said, let's try and end out this episode. I mean, we've been talking for a while, but so the Twilight Zone list, the ultimate list that nobody uh, should ever find another list to make because this is the one that makes everything. Is this better Absolutely. than Escape Clause? Oh, that's fit. what I was going to ask. I'm sorry. 
to oh you asked me i told you i told you in a little while i can't remember but i'll just randomly throw it in later on i remember what i was gonna say <laughs> i remember what i was gonna say because i had it right. before we get into the rating um so do you guys think because escape clause is the one with the devil right yep yeah so between escape clause and this one, well, I know that this one, we're not 100% sure if it's the devil, but it's a demonic presence, a demonic individual. Mm-hmm. Which devil, because I know you guys for quite a long time said, because escape clause was before I was on the show, that escape clause, that the devil part was, you know, really what made that episode and what kept it as high as it did for so long um do you think which devil do you think was better escape clause or mr pip it's a good question well that's what yeah i was kind of asking that earlier like do you guys think this is a better um i think i said that maybe i'm wrong uh i like honestly i like um the escape clause one more because he feels more uh there's more nuance to him maybe to me personally but that's just me but it doesn't affect like if it's better in escape clause or not. It just I think this one, the escape clause one, was better, especially at the end. Yeah, sure. I'd say that this one feels more subservient. Like he feels more like a he does like he pushes Valentine in different directions. But I, I do think that he's more and he does have a way with words, no doubt. But yeah, I, I think that the devil in escape clause is more. I don't know. There's more. Devilish. There's more there to take in. I guess. Well, I think the devil in escape clause for me. I actually enjoyed Mr. Pip better, but I mean, I, I like Escape Clause Devil more too. But the Devil and Escape Clause from the get go, and I guess it's a different. It's kind of hard. It's not apples to apples because the Devil and Escape Clause, we know right out the gate. Hey, I'm the Devil, and I'm going to do this for you. But this, I mean, he puts everything out there for him to know. It's it's he's kind of super cool, suave guy, but he's just the Devil. I like this one because he's more seemed more devious. Yeah, than, uh, the other one. The other one was just very straightforward and kind of like uh, from uh, uh, what the hell is the name of that one? The the escape clause. Escape clause. He was just very. I'm the devil. This is what it is. He was super smooth and super cool, and I liked him as the devil. But this one was just kind of more trickster, kind of like I'm fucking with you. I'm. Fu-. He was fucking with Francis the whole time, and I kind of like that. That's just <laughs> what the. That's what hell would be. They make you think one thing where you're like, oh, yay. And then just like, I feel like hell would just be a constant roller coaster of getting you hyped up thinking it's one thing and then be like, ha, just fucking with you. And you're just like, oh, fuck, come on. So I think Mr. Pip did a pretty good job there with that. But both of them um, good. But definitely. this one, I, I like his devious nature. No, I actually brought up the to Triv that um, in the next season, I think. We're gonna get two incarnations of the devil, or some form. Maybe it's a couple seasons. Uh, two incarnations of different devilish type characters, which are completely different than uh, these two. One's the uh, Howley Man, and the other one's the Hunt. So I'm gonna be interested to see what you guys think in that 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 form of factor when it's completely 180 and it's actually serious devil instead of like comedic devil that type of thing. Uh, the comedic devil is so much more fun. I know, but you don't get you don't get a guy going. And then somebody's spilling their hot cup of Uranus, you know? Hey, that's on uh. you. <laughs> um, anyway, so with that said, let's, let's move on to the last portion of this of this podcast or this episode. And that is the uh, ever-present, like I said, Twilight Zone list, the one that nobody else can copy because it's the greatest one ever. 
do you think this is let's just say do you think it's better than escape clause i i I enjoyed this episode a lot like it had a lot of good stuff i i love the cheeky nature of it i just it's an episode you don't have to think too deeply on but there's a lot that you can talk about as we've kind of discussed whether you're talking kind of the behind the scenes stuff or just some of the weird stuff that goes down the moral implications like how he didn't know i mean there's talk of hell all that stuff i mean i i don't know i i think for what it is where it goes i think it is higher than escape clause but i don't know where i agree i liked it more than escape clause which on that uh speak all this heaven and hell and devil devils and all that um talk about the twilight zone oddly enough rod serling yeah not religious (laughs) was he like an atheist or something like that he uh he was never he never went on record saying he was using that term which i understand mm. because that's kind of like i mean the word's even ugly but um he 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 did not follow christianity he did not believe in they said he did not believe in the bible so he wasn't he didn't follow all that so here's the question is it is this a top 10 episode yes or no um let's see elegy execution what you need i'm counting up to 10 from where we started um i liked it more than mirror image which is our number 10 right now this is a very for me i've said this before too this is a classic twilight zone it was very well paced um it didn't while i was able to pick up on uh part of what was going on i didn't know specifically i really like i like these episodes that are entertaining at face value and very well paced and you could just take it for what it is and have say, yeah, that was entertaining. I was never bored and had a good time with it. It was, uh, you know, not one side or the other was better or not. It was just all really good. It wasn't a whole bunch of setup. The setup had substance and little payoffs as it went along. Uh, like last week's episode was just set up the lore and like you're getting no payoff for that setup until the end. But it also, I like the episodes where, like this one, where even after that, you can dig deeper and you can say, you know, this isn't just, that's his hell. going into what makes this his hell, I thought was really intriguing and how it had to say, it had more to say than just what it was saying on the surface about how, like, you know, like we've discussed, the, what is hell? Is it have you know, having everything you think you want could be hell, be- because what you really want, like in many cases, I think in life is what you really want is not typically what you say you want. Oh, I want this thing. Is that what you want? Or do you, is what you really want, like the satisfaction of gaining that thing or something else entirely, you know, I, I like how this episode really makes you think about that and talk about that. So I like those kind of episodes that get you to talk and get you thinking a little bit past what they put on, put out there at face value. So yeah, I like this one more than uh, a world of difference. Which one was that? Was uh, which one was That's that? That's the one where he's like an actor. He he like wait. Like, oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, I like that. I liked that. I liked the the hook of that one. I think I enjoyed this one more than a world of difference too. Now I mean the hitchhiker, the hitchhiker. I thought was a heck of a episode. Of course, it's the introduction to uh, Nan Adams and her murderous rampage. <laughs> I definitely, I, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it more, but I, I think I liked it more than a world of difference. So yeah, top 10, I'm going to go with top 10 at the, at the moment. 
Triv. and then let Triv talk and talk me out of some of that. <laughs> I, I can't I can't honestly say I disagree like I don't know if I'd put it above a world of difference because that was one of those episodes for me at least where I it it hit on that all was of the one. things that I really look for in a good episode but definitely above mirror image um it, it was more not to say that mirror image didn't offer a lot and obviously if we're talking top 10 they're all good episodes but I, the the implications the discussion like the fact of how deep it goes into like you said you know you can be given everything and you know even if you have the world handed to you in a platter boredom takes over and you know he you know that was his hell was boredom was it was not being able to earn his thing um so it's definitely above mirror image i i don't think it goes as high as hitchhiker um so i'd say anywhere between eight let's say um uh either below or above world of difference but i'm gonna say below world of difference because i i do like that around the same level as as this one see i'm, I'm gonna i have one one issue though and i have this issue every week i'm so sorry it's all right for chance for chance to dream <laughs> it's like i'm looking at these i'm like you know i'm, I'm cool with that but then i see for chance to dream I'm like i definitely liked it more for, for chance to dream <laughs> i guess i gotta kind of like blind out but i just gotta like mark that one out neck like it's not there because every time i see that i like everything more than that one so i'm like it needs to go above that so i just need to like forget about perchance to dream and just accept it you know you know these are the the levels of of acceptance you know i've gone through here's the here's the question jake is is this better than people are like all over and some of the other ones that are up there is it better than hitchhiker and world of difference people are like all over we just watched that one this yeah, one where he ends one. up in the jail, like hit, yeah, Roddy him and McDowell. his buddy crash on the crash on Mars oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, the guys I, with I the like, Roman yeah, kilts. Like yeah, I mean that was kind of corny, but you know you can't hold that against, like the, the the sets and everything, but you can't hold that against them. It was the era. Um, I actually I like that one more. It's a sci-fi one. Sci-fi is my favorite genre, mm-hmm. so I, yeah, I did like that one more. Um, so it's kind of like I'm I'm hung up on Hitchhiker. I don't know World of Difference and Hitchhikers right in there because I did like World of Difference too. I'm, I'm going to say that it, Hitchhiker was, I liked Hitchhiker more. So I'm stuck between nine and 10 right in there. How about you, Nicholas? I don't agree. I think this is actually below what you need. I yes. think, uh, Ooh. <laughs> I just think, I think there's something special. I think this is a great episode. I'm, I don't discount the episode at all. I just, I think what you need has a better, interesting payoff and conclusion and mm. idea behind the guy mirror image had that great moment with her just becoming a scientist all of a sudden which i really <laughs> enjoy um i honestly think a world of difference is one of the most unique episodes in the twilight zone uh mm-hmm. at some point it'll it'll be dropped out of top 10 i'm sure but i don't know i just find those episodes much more entertaining and much more well thought out than this episode but it doesn't take away from the i mean we're, we're talking about like episodes that you could literally put on and enjoy that's what this these top 15 episodes are just they're episodes that are enjoyable and fun and entertaining so i mean i mean i could probably meet you somewhere in the middle but i definitely can't go above world of difference and below execution or uh, yeah I'm convinced. I mean, Triv kind of convinced me right out the gate. I think World of Difference is probably better than this one. So I'm kind of. I do. Th- I did like this one more than Mirror Image, though. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I'm. I mean, I'm agreeable. 
because like it's these episodes are kind of like all right there. Yeah. mirror image i didn't think was that i like the idea behind mirror image but the execution of mirror image was fine but i didn't think it was as great as i, I know you guys liked it a bit more than i did um I, th- th- I thought the first half of mirror image was really good but as it went on it was kind of like i just didn't get much payoff for me personally but we're not talking about mirror image we already talked about it i think that uh but yeah i liked it a little bit more than mirror image but i'm with you i don't think it was better than the world of difference now what you need that's a weird i really enjoy what you need and because of all this nan adam stuff we've done throughout all these episodes i always pair that one with the hitchhiker because i think that was the first one we started the whole oh that was her she came ran over him so i always like pair <laughs> it's like those two episodes meld together for me so I'm yeah. looking at Hitchhiker and I'm like, yeah, that's the one where she uh, ran over the guy and it like knocked him out of his shoes. <laughs> so then when you just said, oh, is uh, I liked it better than what you need. I was like, oh, yeah, what you need. That's that's the one because what you need had a lot. It did a lot of that that I'm talking about how like it it uh, uh, gets you to talking and get you to thinking about what was really going on and all that. And that's what I liked the most about that episode. That and that that final part was just it's epic so amazing if you ever do a compilation of like scenes from twilight zone that one is definitely up there but um so basically cool we're, with... we're looking at either a new number 10 top 10 or a number 11 somewhere around there either above or below have... we basically got yeah. above or below mirror image i do have one other thing for you to think about before you make your final stop making me think trev no i'm gonna make you think <laughs> Just remember that the uh, the slot machine from Fever was Damn also it. in this movie or in this. Okay, movie. does that subtract I, I, points up. or add points? I don't know. Definitely. I'm, I'm just because I'm it's in hell. Devil's advocate. I'm playing Ms. because Finn. that means they sent that fucker to hell essentially. So I mean that could be a positive or it yeah. could be a negative that it's just there. Period. Anything from the Fever exists beyond the Fever. <laughs> that could be a negative. But well, I'm playing Miss Pip here, so. Uh... Son of a bitch. You know what? Fuck it. Number 10. <laughs> a nice place to visit. Thank you, Amazon uh, slot machine. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all you I do is say 10. slot machine. Slot machine. Slot machine. Slut. Valentine is a slut machine. Hey, butthead, this, this chick's awesome. She's talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about sluts. <laughs> we like sluts. She'll play the hey, sluts. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put it in the hole. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Guys, it is, isn't Mr. Beavis yet. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait till that one. I don't even remember what Mr. Beavis is about. I just, I know what that episode's gonna I be feel about. Bad. I feel bad for Ooh, poor Mr. Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that said um for the rankings uh yeah yeah so new number 10 is a nice place to visit i don't know how nice of, of a place i i think that's a um a play on words almost or like is it oxymoron is that what the word is, is that how you say it a nice place to visit isn't really a nice place to visit it's like contradicting well, it wouldn't itself. be an oxymoron unless it contradicted itself within the, the words themselves contradicted themselves but yeah. i think it's definitely a play on words yeah. I mean, it's like if it like... said, this is an awfully nice, well, no, that wouldn't be, what would it be? An oxymoron would be like a right, right, wrong, or something, you know, the words themselves have to contradict themselves. But, you know, it could be like a, a metaphorical oxymoron. Yeah. 
There you go. We'll just go with that. I think maybe I'm taking this too far. <laughs> well, I mean, what what I think they're what they're referring to is that like when he got bored of being there, being in hell and wanted to go, he couldn't obviously leave. So like he got everything he wanted, but then he didn't want to stay because, you know, it was boring and everything was handed to him and everything. So like, you know, it's like going to visit a, you know, a, like going to visit LA. It's a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. Would you say after his execution, he got what you need? Yeah! Oh, I see what uh, you mean. And when he went to the Hall of Records, he saw a mirror image of himself. <laughs> Is there a mute button on here? And it made a world of difference. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And if okay. he had a perchance to dream, <laughs> he would find that people are alike all over. I'm and about that to read it. Experience about... left Nick with a purple testicle. <laughs> All I know is I'm about to read this podcast is elegy. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh new no- I so think number he's one got is... a fever. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> so no- so number one is the monsters are due on Maple Street. Still, the last one is a fever, of course, number 28. Uh next episode is Nightmare as a Child. I don't remember this episode at all. Directed by Alvin Gainzer, written by Ross Sterling, music by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't start anybody I know as well, unless you know Jance Rule or Shepard Strudwick. I don't know these people at all. This is going to be one of those episodes that's probably not going to be well-liked, I'm sure. Unless Triv has watched it. Have you watched it, Triv? I, it's not familiar off the top of my head, but I haven't looked into it. No. Looking at the thumbnail, it's just a little girl going... <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, doesn't man. really tell us much nope exactly all right so with that said that'll do it that'll be our take on season one episode 28 which is a nice place to visit um anyways uh with that said we're going to head out but before we do triv if they want to find your whatever you do in the time that you have time to do stuff and with mirror images and you know balls and all that good stuff uh where can they find your content well if you would like to have a ball you can step over at my youtube channel uh trivial theater <laughs> um i just did a movie called grabbers which again it's good for a ball <laughs> if you want to go that route <laughs> um a celebrated st patty's day with that um i also did a live stream where you can catch the comment or the the like the commentary part of it um this past saturday so uh, both of those are up. Uh, hopefully by the time this goes live or shortly thereafter, I will have done Fresh, which is a crazy-ass movie I'm looking forward to talking about. Excellent. I'm glad, all three of us is, uh, I'm glad all three of us have seen that now. It's awesome. So, Jacob, if they ever want to you know, yeah. find your jag, where can they find your jag at? <laughs> they can find my at, jag <laughs> at my or second. Jag on. <laughs> your jag off. Um, you can uh, get your jag off at my second YouTube channel, Jacob Anders Gaming, which is growing very slowly. It's a it's a, a slow grower. It's okay. It's okay. It's it's got it where it counts. So go over there to Jacob Anders Gaming and subscribe, please. I don't beg for subscribers, but I will in this this instance because I need that channel to grow so I can start doing my streams over there. But uh, you can also find me at my main channel, Jacob Anders Reviews where I talk about movies every now and then uh, and, and stuff like that. And I'll be talking at, when this, when this goes live, 
I really don't know what the hell I'll be talking about. I'm I got some movies lined up and stuff. I got some patron uh, uh, request videos going up of some older movies, older meaning the past eight to ten years, and uh, yeah, that's really nothing new. I don't think not until the next month when Sonic the Hedgehog two comes out. <laughs> that's all. That I don't, I don't, life, they don't right? send me new movies very often. Oh, they send you new movies, but the, you know what those new oh, movies are. Well, they don't send me new big movies very often. I have to I have to weasel my way into screenings I'm not supposed to be into to get early screenings <laughs> of big movies. That's where I'm at in my career right now. Good times. And uh, yeah, um, I don't ever mention this, but yeah, Jacob, you have a Patreon. So if you want to support his channel, please do. I don't know much about Patreon, but I know you make some money off of it. So give him money. Yeah. Give all of us money. Tell you me, know, we'll just start. We'll just start a. Money. Yeah, we'll just start a GoFundMe page. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a that. Starter. Hey, yeah, we can, we that. we should start. Um, I ha- I also have a, a. I don't think they call it trees Teespring anymore. I think oh, they just call it Spring now. Oh. I have a a, a a a merch store. I I can't remember the last time I logged into that thing. I've had like yeah. two people buy something from it. But uh, no, yeah, we should start one for our podcast. <laughs> we should so, i was thinking about that yeah we should, we should oh, got a lot of fun stuff that. you could put on there yeah i, I keep saying i'm going that. to update mine yeah I, I i have one of those too i don't think anybody's ever bought anything it's all right it's still good it's still good there um, are two people out there that could possibly be walking around with my name on their chest one person <laughs> bought a hoodie and one person bought a t-shirt right on man somebody's walking around with some shit on them and people are like what the fuck is what is that some knockoff you got like some chinese sega genesis thing it don't even say sega genesis uh, well y'all both got my merch for random reasons so yeah oh yeah yeah coffee cup <laughs> all right um so yeah you can reach me at too. yeah yeah mine's on my computer Yay. so Anyways, uh, so with that said, you can reach me at Movie Emporium. That's where this uh, this podcast is held as well, as well as audio feeds on Audio Boom and Google Podcasts and hopefully Amazon. But yeah, if you want to find all my content there, I have reviews, all that garbage. So anyways, uh, that'll do it. So for myself, Triv, and of course, Jacob, we'll see you guys next time in the Twilight Zone. Peace out. Bye. Adios.